the FujiCast. Hello, welcome to the FujiCast, episode three. I'm Neil James. And I'm Kevin Mullins. Today, we have a super guest on the show from Canada, um, Patrick LaRocque. Actually, the um, the interview, if you like, is something we recorded at um, your ex-weddings back in Bath. It was. And um, he it was talked... warm. Yeah, it was a lot warmer. He talked about how a road trip saved his photographic career. Do you remember that? I do indeed. And Gemma at the time was nudging me and saying, don't even think about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need a road trip. That's what you need. Um, also, uh, we've got your questions that you've sent through to click at fujicast.co.uk. And uh, thank you for those. And we'll get to those after the interview. I want to start actually by showing you a picture. I've just popped it on the screen here and I, I, the first thing you said when you saw it just a couple of moments ago was look that's a Vic- what did he call it a victorian death picture victorian death picture yeah okay we'll share this one on the on on fujicast.co.uk so you can see the picture i'm talking about but uh, i was writing something about honesty the other day um and, and the reason for for writing it was uh, i've started um, a black and white wedding service exclusively black and white and i was talking about honesty and um I thought, well, I'll, I'll go look for some real honest wedding um, stories online. And, and I came across this this piece that was about, um, I've got to get my dates right now. It was made in 1856, the picture you're looking at, which is just 30 years after the first permanent photograph was was actually made by that French inventor. What was it? Near, uh, near, 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 pit, near, <laughs> sound like I'm reversing. <laughs> that man. I don't know. That's so, a Lechlade, right? Wasn't it, it Lechlade where they did the... Uh, well, isn't there an Lechlade, argument where, whether it was uh, where, 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 whether it was an Englishman or a Frenchman? Uh, there yeah. usually is, isn't there? Yeah. Um, forgive the photographic naivety here. <laughs> but this this picture that I'm showing you here was taken in, in 1856, okay? Um, and the people in the picture... Now, if you consider back in 1856... It was quite an alchemic art, really, wasn't it? And mm. not many people could afford to have their portraits taken. It would be, it would, it would be the wealthy mm-hmm. that would be able to, to have their photographs taken. And and wedding photography, this this they reckon could be one of the first ever wedding portraits. Mm. She looks really happy. Well, it's George Taylor, and her name is Hannah Prattley. And you're right, she looks really happy. Um, they look like they just they've they've got nothing to do with each other don't they mm. okay and i know victorian portraits sometimes took on that that, that that look didn't they because people had to stand still for so long and you couldn't yeah well that, break that's a why smile or anything like that that's why i initially thought it was a death portrait because that's that's what they used to do they used to wait till people were dead and stack them up and take pictures of them because the they didn't move. They didn't move when they were dead. And so they would get their portrait and take a, like, I don't know, whatever, two-minute exposure. And they didn't move. And so, you know, people mostly had their pictures taken. And sadly, they would never see them. You know, I remember at X Weddings, you actually showed a, I did. A, a Victorian death picture. I did, yeah. yeah. Did we have to pick out which one was dead? I can't remember. <laughs> no. They all looked dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, Hannah Prattley and, and George Taylor posing here for their formal wedding picture. And you, you would be forgiven with a sullen look for thinking that they really don't like each other. And uh, and it's true, because Hannah had been accused of murdering her illegitimate son just days before the wedding. Ah. And this is the picture on the wedding day. Wow. And and because I was writing a piece about honesty, I think that photograph shows you honesty. Yeah, she's not looking at the camera. She looks, I don't know, was she found guilty of it? Was she? Now I look. I really looked last night to find out if she was found guilty. There's lots of news reports at the time, 
but I couldn't find out whether oh, whether she was found guilty or not. So like, if you, this if, is like a Netflix documentary of well, some kind with no ending. It could be, couldn't <laughs> it? If anybody um, listening can find out whether Hannah Prattley in 1856 was found guilty of that murder shortly after this wedding picture was taken, the earliest wedding picture known to be taken, then there we go. There's mm. there's, there's, mm. A, there's a prize in it for you of nothing at all. <laughs> So have you had a good week? Yeah, actually, it's been good. Uh, very busy. It's really cold out there today. Um, so I was uh, this morning just thinking, I actually woke up really early this morning, like five o'clock, something like that. Um, kids and bits and pieces. And as usual, you were already online pinging messages left, right and centre. I'm, I'm an early riser. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, it's funny, actually, because I've got my Fitbit now and, and my, my sleep schedule is appalling. Like my, It tells me my average sleep uh, since just before November is around about five and a half hours per night. You want to get rid of that. Yeah. Don't don't look at uh, sleep patterns. I just want to go to, oh, go to bed. Because it's just uh, going to yeah. panic you. You're not going to be able to sleep because you're thinking, I need to get to sleep because the watch tells me I need to get this much sleep. Well, yeah, maybe. But I actually like the fact that I can just wave it at the kids and say, look, look what you're doing to me <laughs> it's 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 proof you know um but anyway yeah so this week was uh yeah really busy uh what did i can't even it's it's wednesday today right yeah wednesday, wednesday. Today. so a couple of days workshop last week in london two days workshop um was really good actually we had um was one, that in the cold it was cold on one of the days was very cold the other yeah. day wasn't does that change the way people shoot uh, not so much, but it does change a little bit the kind of route we take and the locations and things like that. So, mm. um, but not really. I mean, on the on the day that was really cold, uh, my Fitbit <laughs> told me that I clocked up thirty three thousand steps, which is which is pretty good going. Um, and yeah, that was good. We had a, a guy. <laughs> interestingly, a guy came over from Canada, Celso, who uh, I've met before on other workshops, and 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 he was laughing because he was sat in in his airport in Canada waiting to leave on the, the previous day in about four foot of snow yeah. and their flight was delayed by two and a half hours because Heathrow had a very 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 small chance of one flake of snow and so no flights were allowed to, yeah, to yeah. leave just in case they couldn't yeah, land oh, yeah. um, and he was saying the pilot was, uh, was was having a good laugh about that so yeah the workshop that was good um, and then the weekend what did I do on the weekend uh, nothing really family stuff I think um, no weddings no weddings uh, it was good fun um no you're planning for dubai as well aren't you i am yeah that's right that's the that was the thing that's going through my mind just then so next week i have to go to dubai for oh, like 48 hours something real flying visit um it's for golf photo plus which i was at last year a uh, really good event actually um but this isn't a uh, i'm not there for the the 10 days i was there for last time i'm there for just two days so it'll be a flying visit i'm doing a talk about um, my work with the gfx um some meetings and some press stuff and all that kind of stuff so that needs to be sorted i need to get all of that organized um it should be good little trip see some friends and uh yeah and then kind of thinking about weddings and stuff are you like turning that left or right when you get on the aircraft for 48 hours uh um, 48 hours visit or aren't you allowed to say? Um, pass, yeah. <laughs> don't really know. Uh, that sounds like a left turn to me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, whatever. In, ter- in terms of planning, I was talking to you about this. Uh, I'm going back to Gambia, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm, mm. I'm working on a, a documentary about a story I can't say much about, but but it, it covers a coup attempt, which, um, I mean, there, there have been various coup attempts in Gambia, so that doesn't give too much away. 
but um, this time we're going up river, so I'm really having to strip down the the bag. Yeah. I'm trying to get it down to sort of seven or eight kilos, um, everything I need. So I've got it at the back that says two XT3s, a 56. Pro- probably, um, probably I would imagine 23, maybe 16, and and a bit of recording kit, and that's it. Yeah. Stripping no, down hand that. luggage. Just go hand luggage. Well, that will. It's Don't forget your underpants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I carry a spare pair at all times in the front of that pack. Um, Bookwise, you had a really interesting interaction this week with somebody who you made a YouTube video about, which which I, I I'd love you to share because I thought it was a lovely story. Yeah. So uh, there's a book called Family Love by a famous photographer. Well, I say famous. Um, she should be famous, and she is relatively well known, but many people won't have heard of her. And the photographer is called Darcy Padilla, and she wrote a book, or she had a book published called Family Love, and it was the pictures of something that she called the Julie Project. Mm. And Julie was a mother that was uh, HIV positive, and the images are. I mean, I I. I remember coming across this documentary on YouTube, a very short documentary, three or four minutes. We'll link to it below in the um, in the show notes. And it's it's incredible. Not only are the photographs amazing, but the story is just mind blowingly beautiful, mm. sad, uh, worrying, uh, empathetic. It, it, it just brought shivers to my to my spine. So back off that, I bought the book um, called Family Love, which is uh, a really beautiful, well-produced book, nice hardback. Um, and I did a little YouTube review of the book. It didn't get many views, you know. People, I remember it. I watched people it. People not necessarily interested in book reviews, and that's fine. But it was um, it was my thoughts about this book. And then just yesterday, in fact, I had a little message came up on Instagram and it was from the daughter who was featured in the book. And she said she'd come across my YouTube video and she was really touched that I was trying to, you know, to raise more awareness for it. Mm. And, you know, the fact that she'd taken time out to to actually message me on Instagram was it kind of added a human connection to this this book that's in my house that it's one of my prized possessions book wise you know i've got a lot of books and you know it's on the highest shelf because we've got this terrible little dog at the moment (laughs) that eats everything inside and so uh you know i uh, i kind of it kind of came full circle really it was it was like an emotional attachment to this this thing that was otherwise unemotional for me because i'd never you know i didn't know the people i didn't know the photographer uh, i just knew that it was an amazing story and then suddenly i have this message and it's like wow you know it's it it really does make a difference when you and i'm not necessarily you know saying that this is because of the youtube video or anything but it makes a difference to me personally when you you make a connection with something Mm. um you know and i think that uh you know when you you meet photographers personally or when you get something like this happen it's uh you know it's it's kind of profound really just just to um, give some context to this story, this girl is featured in the book, obviously. Her yep. mother is dying of mm-hmm. AIDS, HIV AIDS, mm-hmm. led, led to AIDS. Yeah. And in one of the pictures, she's breastfeeding from mum. She, she's she's that girl, isn't she? She yeah. is. Yeah. She is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's in the wow. book. And That's powerful. It is really powerful. What a powerful connection. And of course, you know, I, I look through her Instagram feed and it's it's full of 
beautifully happy pictures of her and her family now and her kids and all of that kind of stuff you know just regular snaps of them and the pizza place and you know at the beach and everything and you know and that 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 makes me happy because she's she's gone on to have a a, a happy life and uh, you know I'm cautious what I say because it, you know I don't want to say that she was unhappy you know but certainly the pictures in the book told a very a difficult time difficult life yeah. i'm sure she yeah, had yeah. as a small child wow. um and you know it's it, it, it's an incredible incredible story incredible story um and that that kind of um brings me on to talking about this other book that i've i just received yesterday which is called we are like air by somebody that i you know i know i've met her a few times actually ziza cruz bacani um where, where have you met her I met her at uh, Fujifilm events. She's a Fujifilm ex-photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a she's from the Philippines originally. I think she lives in Singapore now. And this book is, um, I mean, if I'm totally honest with you, I, I, you know, I knew her work, but when I purchased the book, I purchased it because I wanted to support her. I didn't necessarily know what was going to be in the book. I knew roughly what it was about. And again, it's it's a little bit like the family love book. It's the story of her family. Um, it's it's actually a wider story in terms of it's the uh, the investigation, if you like, of uh, Filipino workers in Singapore and the uh, the way that immigrants are treated, etc. And it's based essentially around her family and her mum and, and her dad when they they were immigrants into Singapore. Yeah. Um, beautiful pictures, of course, because she is an amazing photographer. And uh, you know, it's incredible. I, I was just showing it to you and. You, you know you were you were taken by the fact that there are photographs of letters and you know screenshots of facebook posts and things I like that I love letters letters yeah. are they they i mean obviously they're going to provide context to the stories that the photographs are, uh, are showing but i think books like that are fascinating yeah absolutely and and you know it's uh, what i actually really like about this book believe it or not is it, it's a uh, softback it's not a hardback so you can really get into it you can really read the pages you can flip it and you know just flick through it it's a book absolutely a book that is uh, is there to be read and looked at rather than stuck on the shelf and you know kind of kept for investment or look look good in the future um, you know really really touching pictures really really amazing amazing photographer Ziza and you know I know that she's uh, I mean I uh, She's been, I think, something like one of the Philippine, uh, sorry, one of the Singaporean Women of the Year uh, or something, you know, or kind of um, people with most impact for women. Um, and I would imagine she's very influential. Uh, yeah, influential is probably the word I was looking for, actually. Um, and yeah, and, and rightly so, because she she's what I would call a true, you know, we, you and I have this conversation all the time. You know, weddings are important, of course, but, you know, you want to get your teeth into into something that, that has a lot lasting legacy for people outside of an immediate wedding uh, situation mm. and you know so she's 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 you know what i i kind of tentatively call a a true documentary photographer you know yeah. she properly sells story uh, she properly tells the stories through her pictures and words um and you know she's got she's got a really good ethic about her and she has principles based around her photography as well and uh you know it's beautiful book and uh, but very similar to you know to the one i was just mentioning the the family love book it's it's a it's a family history and i'm, re- I'm reading what she's been uh, honored with um uh, a pulitzer center prize mm-hmm. um 30 under 30 women photographers 2016 forbes 30 
yeah. Um, wow, B- BBC was a BBC thing in there, but uh, yeah, one of the one of the BBC's top one hundred women of the world. Yeah, uh, and a Fuji Film Ambassador, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she was. There was an interview with her on the BBC actually recently. Um, yeah, she's she's really nice as well. Really nice person. You know, you know when you meet people. I've met lots of photographers in my time, and. Some of them you just gel with straight away, you know. I've never, I've never met anybody I didn't like, but some of them you, you kind of have a, a very kind of standoffish almost relationship. But Ziza, it's, you know, she's just a very, very likable person. Um, worth going to the website. Ziza is X Y Z A C R U Z. Ziza Cruz Bacani B A C A N I dot com. There'll be links in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's a site worth checking out. The Fuji Cast. So this week's interview um, was recorded on location at the um, at, at X Weddings, mm-hmm. and it was with Patrick Laroque. Now I'd never heard Patrick Laroque speak before. I've seen lots of his work, uh, mainly down to um, the project that you're involved with him, which is the um, Cargay Collective. Cargay Collective, isn't it? That's the correct pronunciation of it. Yeah. So I've seen his work. I know his work, and. Um, but but the story that he told, I think, surprised everybody, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it even surprised me. I didn't know that, and, and I've, I know him reasonably well. Um, and yeah, you know, Patrick, he's one of those people that, you know, when I grow up, I want to be Patrick Laroc. <laughs> you know, cool name, cool looking guy, yeah. lives in a cool part of the world, yeah, yeah. can make a picture of a cup of coffee look amazing. How old is Patrick? Oh, um, I'd say uh, if he's listening, I would say he's about thirty-six. <laughs> if he's not listening, I'd say he's probably nearer fifty. He's the coolest-looking thirty-six to fifty-year-old <laughs> I've ever met. This is a really great story. I've chopped it into two parts, um, but this is part one of uh, Patrick's exploration, if you like, uh, when well, at a time when he thought he might actually give up photography. So today's talk is entitled, uh, The United States of Photography. We all come to photography initially out of passion, right? Uh, It's not something we choose to do because it's it's a surefire way to make money. But it's easy to get lost along the way, I think. Uh, It's easy to end up basically doing only what we expect uh, others uh, expect of us and to forget why we picked up a camera in the first place, uh, to forget where that passion came from. I did. I completely forgot at some point. And it brought me really, really close to dropping everything altogether. So I became a photographer like professionally uh, about 10, 12 years ago. Right? Um, I was already self-employed. I was a partner in a TV multimedia production company back when multimedia was a thing. Um, I was a musician as well. I'd been in bands with weird hair and a lot of eyeliner. (laughs) Hasn't really changed all that much, but um, I did music for productions and TV ads and stuff. And photography was a pastime. And I don't remember when exactly photography took over. Um, but it did, and it was like this onslaught, basically. Eventually, a friend told me about a stock photography agency that was looking for something different. Um, eventually, I sold a few images there, and eventually, you know, one day I just thought, hey, why not do this full time? 
how hard can it be? I had no idea what I was doing. That's my British thing. <laughs> we don't say that. Yes, catering to the crowd. Um, I had no business plans. Uh, we had two kids at the time, three since, uh, not three more, by the way. <laughs> not insane. Uh, and because I didn't have a plan, I basically started doing what everyone else was doing, right? So I chose like a studio sounding name, which was pretty terrible actually. Uh, I built this very lifestyle oriented uh, corporate website with photo packages and gift certificates. I even did holiday promotions uh, at one point. <laughs> yeah, you did, you, you caught it, good. Um, that was Santa. Uh, but one day, I was, I was sitting at my, com at my computer editing a portrait session, uh, and I realized I hated the images I was working on. Um, I didn't like the look, I didn't like the mood, I didn't like the prices I was charging, either. Uh, There's nothing wrong with them, it, it just felt meh, you know? Basically, I could have been selling shoes at that point, because creatively, I was essentially nowhere. And to top it off, at that time, like every time, every time the phone rang, um, I knew in advance what the conversation would be like. It, usually it was like, hi, I, I like pictures, how much does it cost? And you know the person is just going down a list, basically, right? Fishing for, trying to find the lowest price possible. So, I didn't feel like a photographer, I felt like a guy with a camera. It's not the same thing. And I was a guy with a camera who was slowly getting kind of depressed. So, my wife and I had a long conversation and we looked at the whole situation. And long story short, about a month, month and a half later, uh, I got into our Toyota Echo I think it's a Yaris here, um, with my camera, which was an icon at the time, my iPod, and I drove off on my own. Nothing booked, nothing clear ahead, apart from, you know, nothing other than the very long and winding Trans-Canada Highway. I decided to head west, I'm from Montreal, right? So, so I could have gone east or west, but I went west. And on my first night, I found this small cabin by a lake in Manawa, uh, and this was off-season, so getting you know, a last place to stay was not really a problem. There was no one anywhere. And the first evening kind of set the tone, because you know, I was basically, here I was alone in the wilderness with nothing else to do but think and, and shoot some pictures. Um, so the next morning I started driving. I drove up northern Ontario. I drove through the Canadian Shield. Uh, I followed Lake Superior for days, I think. It's not, it's not a lake, it's a sea, basically. Um, I drove through the prairies, the badlands, I, you know, until I saw the Rockies on the horizon. Um, I got caught in a snowstorm in the Rockies, in my Toyota Echo, with no winter tires. Well, it's just, just brilliant. Um, eventually, I reached Vancouver. I took the ferry to Victoria, uh, and then I just kept on driving. Malahat, Nanaimo. I drove until I couldn't anymore. Uh, I drove to the end, basically, uh, right up to the Pacific Ocean. And obviously, you know, I missed 
my family, I'd call every day and the kids, we, we bought this big map of Canada, stuck on a wall, and they'd just follow me along, putting post-its on, on the map. But I also kind of found myself. Uh, and more importantly, I began to understand how I wanted to approach photography. Now, I shot a lot of landscapes during this trip. Uh, as you can see from the images, you know, Canada is like really big and it's mostly empty. Um, <coughs> but I slowly realized I was much more interested in chaos and randomness <coughs> than in controlled vistas. Uh, you know, an urgency as opposed to reflection, I guess. Um, and a certain loss of control. I would drive eight, ten hours sometimes, just getting there. It's a big country. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing like taking pictures while you're driving a car to, to make you appreciate control and loss of control. <laughs> and by the way, I do not endorse shooting and driving. You know, it's, it's, it's highly irresponsible, I know that. I'm driving through the mountains, you know, somewhere in BC, and I see this lady on a horse ahead of me, uh, which is completely surreal, right? Because we don't actually use horses in Canada, right? just so you know. And I, I, just, I just saw this, and I picked up the camera, and, and, and I pointed haphazardly, you know, while trying not to hit anyone or anything. And I just pressed the shutter, hoping for the best. And for me, this image beats any grandiose landscape uh, I might have taken during this trip. Not because it's perfect, it's not, right? Um, but because it's urgent, uh, because it's a reaction. It's all, almost like fleeing a scene. Um, to me, this is like street shooting uh, on a road to nowhere, basically. And this is the picture that made me understand what photography uh, meant to me. Uh, life captured, uh, not staged, not directed. Right? Something purely instinct instinctive. Uh, you know, moments that would otherwise just fade away. It's the in-between stuff. So when I came back, I redid my website, I changed my portfolios, I just uh, but I still had a lot of thinking to do. And it's funny, you know, how life sometimes uh, points you in the right direction. Because uh, a few months later, I see this article about a new camera, right? Uh, that's just been announced, I think it was Photokina. And it's from a company that I, you know, I've heard of, but that's never been on my radar in any sort of way. And the company is Fuji Film. And the camera, you might have guessed, it's the X100. And the X100, like I did, I think, for many of us, it just captures my imagination. Uh, I see my dad's old Yashica rangefinder. Uh, I see Duffy and Bailey. I, be, I see myself shooting Twiggy in an alley or something. And the timing is perfect because I'm essentially in reconstruction at this point. I'm looking for something different. Uh, and I convinced myself that the X100 is the answer to all those questions. In case you haven't caught on, that's how we end up spending way too much money in photography. Um, but I purchased the X100 in the spring of 2011, as soon as it comes out. And in June, uh, Cynthia and I leave for a 15-day trip uh, to France. 
I bring nothing but the X100 on this trip. So this is essentially baptism by fire. Uh, we spent our first three days in Paris, and those three days are going to sort of define a great deal of things for me uh, for two reasons. One, Paris is a city that's made for walking, right? We have a room in Montparnasse, and so every day we leave and we, 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 we cross the bridge and we walk pretty much from morning till night. Um, and I'm going nuts here. I'm in Paris for the first time, so I just want to shoot all the time, right? But I'm with my wife, and she's very patient. But if I stop at every, she, she will leave me, you know. Uh, so I get used to grabbing images very, very quickly. Not because the camera's fast, it's not. But actually, just while I'm walking, I get used to anticipating what's, what's coming as opposed to standing there and waiting uh, for something to happen. Um, and the second reason uh, is that I, I find myself completely invisible with this camera around my neck. Um, I'm not intimidating anyone, uh, which means I get to shoot anywhere, anytime. Uh, cafes, parks, churches, restaurants, buses, sitting, standing, drinking, anytime, right? And because I can do this, I find myself constantly observing. In France, I, I became a shadow. And because of this, I also became intensely aware of the importance of our physical presence, uh, of how this impacts our environment and ultimately our subjects. Uh, because I could see how different our relationship was uh, with the outside world, right? And it's a revelation that's going to change pretty much everything for me. Um, what I had glimpsed during that Canadian road trip out west is suddenly crystal clear. I just, I want to be invisible. The Fuji cast. So next week, we'll have part two of Patrick's exploration, if you like, to uh, find photography again. If, um, if you emailed us in the, the last... Uh, couple of weeks then thank you very very much the email address is click at fujicast.co.uk shall i launch with some questions mm-hmm. they're quite conversational ones some of these which is uh, which is great i think we'll start then with uh, with trish p just making the switch to fuji cameras and have a limited budget when it comes to lenses can you pick three that would take me through a good range i'm not that interested in long focal lengths i work mainly as a portrait photographer with children Hmm. So three lenses. Um, I mean, I'm a. Uh, I always encourage people to get primes. Um, and actually, the three f2 prime lenses are relatively cheap. They're weather sealed, all of that kind of stuff. So 23 f2, 35 f2, and 50 f2. As a portrait photographer, that'll probably be fine. You know. Um, what, what about 56 though? Because that that's a that's a good portrait length, isn't it? The 56 is good. I mean, I I, I use that all the time also, but. Uh, you know, if it comes down to budget, the 56 1.2 is more expensive. Yep. It's older. It's slower to focus. And, yeah, you get that extra stop of light with it, and you get a little bit more reach, but not a massive amount. Um, and, you know, the 50 f2 lens is, is really, really nice. Lightning quick. Lightning quick, really light, small. Uh, I don't know, yeah, well, I don't know, four or five 
500 pounds something like that compared to the f2 uh, the f1.2 um yeah i mean that's probably what i would recommend uh you know it, it depends on what the budget is you know on a budget could be i have 5000 pounds to spend you know you never know um mm. in which case you know you might be looking at things like the 80 mil and the 90 mil f2 lenses then you're getting into longer focal lengths which which I, i'm not sure that she's she's requesting here no she? exactly i mean the but however those those 80 and 90 mil lenses are amazing portrait yeah, lenses yeah, yeah. amazing but you're right they're a little bit longer there is uh, let me just grab it out of my bag hold on there i go this is one this is one that you suggested this is the um did you suggest this one the 18 to 55 yeah um possibly now i'm it. finding this is fantastic for filming with is that really? the one i sold you did i sell you that one did you sell me this one I think that's the one I have had about three of because it came as the kit lens. <laughs> and and every time I bought yes, a camera... Yes, you did. You sold me this one. Yeah, look. It's got the Mullins shop written on the on the bottom of it. <laughs> every, time I, um, every time I buy a new camera, and uh, there's, there doesn't seem to be any body-only packs available in the UK, yeah, so I have yeah. to buy the kit lens. And so I had three of those at one point. Well, look, I've read a bit about this 18 to 55. And, of course, that's an incredible range, 18 mm. to 55. Mm. And um, as, as a lens... If you're filming um, using your Fujifilm camera, then this is an absolute must mm -hmm. for for your kit bag. I'm going to take this to the Gambia. There's no doubt about that because the the the, the range on it. Okay, it's not it's not a fast lens, but it, it's a it's a it's a super applicable lens when it comes to everything from portraits through to filming. I think. What is it? Two point eight to five point six? Yeah, I think it is. But it's got OIS on it, hasn't it? Yeah. Stabilised. Yeah, 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 it has, yeah. yeah. And that makes a difference, obviously, for filming. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So hopefully, Trish, that uh, that answers your question. Uh, click at fujicast.co.uk if you'd like to send us um, your questions. I've got another one here. I don't know if you've got some as well. I've got a couple, yeah. Um, okay, do you one want to launch with one of yours and then I'll, I'll do one of mine? One of them will actually kind of just answer. Show me yours, I'll show, uh, show you mine. Yeah. Um, uh, this was from somebody called Ben, and it was on Instagram actually, and it was a similar thing. It was uh, he's thinking about becoming a wedding, or he is a wedding photographer actually, using Nikon system at the moment. He's considering moving across, and does he? Uh, do I use? The question was, do I use zooms or primes for my work? Uh, and the fact is, primes. Um, like almost exclusively primes apart from for filming like you just said um i use 23 1.4 56 1.2 like for everything i would say uh that's 90 percent of my work is on those 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 focal lengths uh so yeah primes um and one of the other questions he had backed on that was you know what about if you're at the back of a long church aisle or you know you can't quite get yeah, to the front yeah, yeah. And my answer is that I will either move forward a little bit where I can, um, or even with the 56, you still you still got you know that's 85 mil equivalent in mm. full frame, so it's still reasonably long. Um, if I could choose just two lenses to take to a wedding, it would be 23 and 56. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. definitely. Yeah. I'd mi I'd miss the 16 because there are times, uh, particularly during um, during a cocktail hour or reception, depending upon what country you're listening in. I think that 16 is, is absolutely vital when you're moving in a room where people are cluttered together and you can't move. See, I hate the 16. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I hate oh, it. I I, amazing lens. I, Again, it's sharp um, as a tack. It's quick to focus. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's. I just don't... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's great that everybody's different, right? And I, I just don't like the... I don't know. I just don't like the the pictures from it yeah. that I make not that you make the ones that I make yeah thanks very much <laughs> actually another let me, there's another one I'll go to the back again 
and grab out another Mullins sale. <laughs> Ten twenty-four. Do you remember selling this to me years ago? Yeah. This is the most battered piece of glass in my in my bag, and that's because you owned it once. <laughs> <laughs> because if you've ever seen Kevin's um, the the interior of Kevin's camera uh, bag, uh, you will know that <laughs> he just throws things in with wanton abandon. Yeah. Um, but tools. Th- they're tools. They're, they are. Um, this ten twenty-four though, which is again um, image stabilized lens. Mm-hmm. Um, first one, I think. Uh, was it the first one? Mm. Yeah, ten twenty four. So that's what sixteen thirty five ish, isn't it? Yeah, thereabouts. Um, th- this also, I find an incredible lens mm-hmm. um, for vlogging. Mm-hmm. Definitely for vlogging. Um, it's again, it's you're not going to get a shallow depth of field out of it, so it's if it's great for for vlogging, uh, but also for just getting in tight corners. But mm. again, this is a zoom, so you probably wouldn't use it. But it's a great lens, I think. Uh, yeah, it's f four as well, so you know it's it's not particularly great in really no. low light. Um, but yeah, but subsequently after selling you that, I then went and bought it again. Oh right, is yours <laughs> as battered as this? Um, probably, pro- probably, yeah, <laughs> probably. I don't use it for stills, though; it's for filming. All right. Uh, email in click at, um, at fujicast.co.uk. Vapy gamer, I loved some of the titles of people's um, names on YouTube. Please don't think this is a trolling question, but when you both switched, did you sell all your lenses and kit from your DSLR bags? reason I ask is I'm in a similar position, switched from Nikon to Canon for various reasons, and now I'm ready to switch again down to the weight issue. If I'm honest, the Fuji system seems better all round given Canon's reluctance, it would seem to add all the features people want in their new mirrorless system, which I, I find true. I, we talked about that mm-hmm. maybe a couple of weeks ago or last week. I, mm-hmm. I, I you know, I'm... I'm a, I'm a big proponent of Canon systems. I've worked with them for for years, and I loved using them. Um, but he's right; they, I, I, it's almost. I find this amazing how they didn't listen. Yeah, I mean the the, the Canon the, the mirrorless stuff. Um, it's not like it's new. It's not like Sony, Fujifilm, Panasonic. Everybody else has hasn't been kind of laying the groundwork, and then. Boom! We have these two two systems from both Nikon and Canon that that just seem. I'm sure they're great, you know, and I'm sure they're. And I, you know, we know Sanjay; he's using one, and I'm sure they they will deliver the goods. But they do do seem a little bit off kilter with the rest of the marketplace. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I took all of my stuff down to Mifsuds in Brixham in Devon, and I went with the bag. Or I had uh, at the time, I think I had a Canon. 5D something or other, a 1D something or other, and a whole load of lenses, uh, 70 to 200, 16, 35, uh, 35-prime, 25-prime, 50-prime, all kinds of stuff. And um, I wanted to get as much as possible from them, so mm. I took each item out one by one and I put did them on they, the desk. Did they look good? They, uh, no. or, or were they mullins? Well, this was the thing, you see. So, uh, interestingly, you were just talking about focal lens. When I, even when I shot Canon, I used two focal lenses. I had the 23 and the 85. Uh, sorry. Thir- 20, 24. 24. No. Yeah. Uh, the 35 and 85. Okay. Which is the equivalent to 23, 56 oh, in, right, in okay. my world now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 35 and 85 were the two lenses that I used almost all the time. So, you didn't have a 24mm? You didn't go that wide? I did have it, yeah. But you didn't use it? Yeah, I just okay. didn't really use it. And I, so I put these, uh, the two Canon 5D Mark 1s or 2s or whatever, I can't remember what it was, um, on the table. And, and the guy down there, uh, he kind of looked at them and he was like, 
Hmm. Okay. And and he said, uh, you know, actually, we, what we what we generally value things on is the the sensor, you know, and the cleanliness of the sensor. And to that end, he he took a picture with the their sensor tool, and he put the little screen up, and he showed me the sensor, and the sensors were clean as a whistle. Wow. And he said, "These cameras, you know, look they like look you've shocking, had them. You look like you've had them for quite a while." I said, "Yeah, yeah, I've had them. I think, you know, two or three years." Why is the sensor so clean? I was like, "Because that's the first time those lenses have come off that body. <laughs> those bodies, are, like, just didn't change. They the lenses. literally just did sit on those cameras, don't they? they? Yeah. Wow. And good old Mifsuds. They're they're a good company, don't they? They're the ones who are um, Southwest Photo Mounts as well. You know, for Jorgensen do you, albums. Do you think the question here is more about uh, am I brave enough to get rid of my kit? Because that I held on to um, my Canon kit, um, so I only really properly swapped last year. Mm. And you know I've been working with Canon and Fujifilm mm-hmm. cameras for for quite a while. I only properly swapped early, uh, sort of late summer, early winter. I said probably probably no. It was it was probably summer because I took the um, the X um, what what XT two or XT three? What would I have taken to Australia? Probably XT three, maybe. I don't know. No XT two. XT two would yeah. have been. So yeah, XT two. That was the yeah. Yeah. So um, when I came back from Australia, I got the XT three, uh, two of those, and then I've never looked back. Yeah. But it did take me a while to get rid of those 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 Canon cameras. It was almost like it was a crutch that I thought. Oh, just in case, I'll, I'll, I'll keep them here. Yeah, and, and I would never recommend anybody, like on a Friday, get rid of all their Canon gear and then you know buy a whole lot of Fujifilm stuff and then on the Saturday go and shoot a wedding. Because it is a journey. It's a completely and you have to get used to using way of shooting an EVF as opposed to an OVF. And- Absolutely, it's very very different. It's not. Yeah, I agree. If that's the context of the question. Don't just ditch everything and swap straight away um, until you... Because, you, you know, we all know people who have tried the Fujifilm system, didn't quite get on with it, and, and went back to their DSLRs. And that's mm. fine, you know, because if you don't try it, you'll never know. But it's a... Yeah, it's it's a journey for sure. Um, but I think in the vast majority of cases, certainly for things like if it's weight and, and size and, and kind of EVFs and film simulations you're looking for, then switching makes a lot of sense. Mm. I've got one... This is my last piece of Canon equipment here. Look, there it is, the uh, fifty mil one point two. If anybody wants this lens, mm. write to me. Mm. Um, I will warn you now; it doesn't focus. Mm. Um, the motor doesn't work, but it's a cracking paperweight. Other than that, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that was the lens I remember having the most difficulty with. Um, I certainly don't miss any of that oh, mi- micro adjustment stuff with the DSLRs. I hated no, yeah, all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's all. But the, the, the bokeh, 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 blurriness, blurriness, <laughs> fuzziness <laughs> of, of that 50mm 1.2. Legendary. Amazing Absolutely. lens. Absolutely. And I love my 85 1.2 Canon one. It was yeah. huge and really slow to focus. But once I got used to it, it was oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could bring up two children, send them to university, <laughs> see them get married in the time that that thing took to focus. Yeah. But, but there we go. Yeah. Um, another question. Have you got a question? Um, I had one just come r- literally right now as oh, we're that, sat here. That deserves one of these. Ding, ding. And it's coming on Instagram, direct message, and it's from uh, Aza TK Film. Oh, is it Instagram? That has should- No, I oh, know that's not an Instagram. Oh, I don't know. I don't think Instagram has a noise. Doesn't, does it really? Not really. Okay. Um, anyway, AIZAT. Film, right? And I think you may have a similar question lined up. Anyway, it says, "Hi, Kevin, I love your work. 
works. Uh, I use X100S. Do you think X Pro 3 is coming really soon? I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't want to buy X Pro 2 as I feel yeah. X Pro 3 is lurking around the corner. Any ideas when they are going to release? Yeah, it? and Stephen Rice said the same thing. Is there going to be an X Pro 3? Probably more of a question for Kevin. Yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm throwing this all your way. I love my X Pro 2, but I'm tempted by the XT3 for the new engine under that hood, unless. The X Pro 3 is around the corner, of course, question mark, question mark. Well, uh, I have no idea, obviously. Um, and uh, the fact is, the, uh, the, the, the release schedule has changed. So in the past, we had X Pro 1, XT1, X Pro 2, XT2, and now we've gone straight to XT3. And there was no X Pro 3 in the middle. I would be amazingly surprised if there was no X Pro 3 at some point. Right. When it will be, I have no idea. Will it be this year? We're now, for those people who are listening to this in the in the future, it's now um, March, February, February, March, February, March. Yeah, we're, we're on we're on the cusp of March. Yeah, I lose count until we get to the summer. <laughs> the winter just becomes like. January, February, March. Yeah, all is one sort of combined thing. I just, I just generally categorise the year as cold, nice, <laughs> and miserable. <laughs> that's that's winter, summer, and autumn. Um, so yeah, so it's 2019, February, March time now, and um, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, technically, what we could probably realistically expect is the the guts of an XT3 in an X Pro two X Pro three type body. Mm. Um, you know, obviously the X Pro three, oh sorry, the X Pro two, and the X Pro one has the optical viewfinder. So whether there's any limitations or uh, technical issues that they may have in that respect, I I I honestly don't know. And I I get this question a lot, obviously, because you know I, I do have a kind of I am aligned with future film to a certain extent. But the fact is, you know, uh, unless I'm physically involved in doing any testing or something, then I I, I just wouldn't be privy to any of that information. So and we take this to mean that you've not had an XT X Pro 3 <laughs> popped in your hand to test. Absolutely not, definitely. And uh, you know, my my answer always is the same. It's you will be forever waiting because for sure you know, look what happened with the XT3 and the XH1. So the XH1 came out, and then the XT3 came shortly afterwards. And the people who bought the XH1 were like, "Oh, I'm going to wait for the XT3." The XT3 came out, and oh, I'm going to wait for the X Pro 3. Mm. And then there will probably be an XH something or other, and then there might be a new X100. And uh, you, you know, uh, you just forever wait. Just go for it, and uh, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy the photography. Don't, don't just wait. And I, I do appreciate there's there's a financial implication and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if we're realistic, the X-T3, um, I think we mentioned this last week or the week before, I think it's under underpriced. And it's, what, £1,200, something like that, brand yeah, new. You 12, probably, yeah. And with all the cashbacks and yeah, deals yeah, and everything, yeah. a lot cheaper. And, you know, so... Is it re- it's not like we're spending four or five thousand pounds on cameras these days uh, in the Fujifilm world, at least. So you know, take that into consideration. I tell you what, it's on my list of would loves along with a tilt shift. Um, yeah, which we'll, we've got a question on, but we'll have to come to that to another week because guess what? We've run firmly out of time. Thank you very much for your questions. If you want to send them in, then click at fujicast.co.uk is that address. Uh, there's a stack of YouTube and Instagram addresses to go through. Kev can go first. Uh, 
Uh, Instagram, it is Kevin Mullins Photography. And YouTube, it's uh, just search for my name, Kevin Mullins. And that's it. Yeah. YouTube for me, Neil James Photo. Remember the silly spelling of Neil, N-E-A-L-E. And uh, Instagram, it's not silly, actually, if it's your name. <laughs> Instagram is N-E-A-L-E, Neil James as well. Uh, next week, we have part two of Patrick LaRock's road trip across Canada. And uh, don't forget, once again, send in your questions to click at fujicast.co.uk. Thank you. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.